Motivated Women Podcast number four, we are joined tonight by Barely from Barely Podcasting. He's sitting in for Crystal, who's on vacation, out camping somewhere in Canada. Hi, Barely. Hello. I think I jumped in early, didn't I? Well, that's okay. <laughs> we, we've had enough technical difficulties starting this podcast tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, well, we'll have to work on the producer later. Anyway, <laughs> I thought that since Crystal's out the, um, this week, and we really wanted to get a podcast out before the start of NME, which is in what, 12 days? I, it's a little over two weeks from at least the night we're recording. Okay, that sounds right. I don't have a calendar on me. I think it's we leave in less than 12, in two weeks, because we leave on the 11th. Yeah, and I leave on the 13th, which is two weeks from tomorrow. Okay. So um, my thought in having you on is Crystal and I had talked about how people start in this whole new lifestyle change about losing weight and some of the things that are out there as options. And number one option is, you know, you eat less, you lose weight. Option number two was you join a group of some sort or a program such as Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig or, you know, any of the numerous um, diets that are out there um, between Atkins and whatever other low-carb, high-protein type diets are out there. But one mm -hmm. of the other things that we had talked about is that there's the medical side of this, and that's um, de deciding upon whether you are... Um, one of the people that would think about a gastric band or the gastric bypass surgery. And okay. um, we thought of you because you, ha you made that decision and you've made some changes in your life with that decision in mind. So mm -hmm. I'd kind of like to talk to you tonight, kind of giving everybody out there a peek into what it was like to make that decision and where you've gone with it. Okay. That, 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 that is very doable. Okay. Where'd you start? Or how did you start? Well, the story goes back actually now about six years. Um, my wife at the time had uh, a weight issue. Uh, she was extreme, she was gaining a lot of weight. Uh, ever since we got married, uh, she was just putting on pounds. And um, she worked for an insurance company and found out about the uh, lap band or the gastric band. Um, it was had, had just become available in the United States, FDA approved probably three months before she had it. And I began to see the success she was having. At the same time, I was, wasn't changing how I was eating um, and just all the issues that went on with my own eating. Um, so it was more along the lines of, okay, I need to do this myself because I just... I, I would try a, a diet and eat less, and then I was miserable, so then I would binge eat. Um, and it was a constant back and forth. I just did not, when it came, when it, really when it comes to food, I don't have the willpower. And right. I know that about myself. So I was like, okay, you. I need something to not, or to make me eat less. Mm -hmm. I, I, so, I agree with that. That's a hard thing to, um, to get over because I think most people are like that whatever diet they choose that they're they get tired or frustrated and then they revert back to that old standard that you know foods the comfort thing 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's a big reason why a lot of diets fail is that people just aren't fully dedicated to it. I mean, they're not, it's like, okay, I'm going to push through just this rough time I'm having. They, they give up way too easily. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you give up on a diet, you might have lost maybe 10 pounds, and then you put 15 on. Uh, so now you're at a net gain of five. Right, that, that bouncing back, that yo-yo effect that everybody, well, everybody lives with because you hear people talk about it all the time. Oh, I've been on a diet all oh, the last five or ten years, but it's gain ten, or lose ten, gain fifteen, lose another ten, gain another fifteen, so that they slowly keep adding Yeah. in the overall scheme. And that's really what was happening to me. Was I would lose a little bit, and then it was like, woohoo, I lost, so I would eat. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, ooh, a celebration, and then uh, I'd put on a couple. Uh, so when I finally made my decision, I was actually up to 312 pounds. Wow. I, mean, I, I was a big boy. Um, and for those of you who've listened to my show, you might have heard me occasionally use the threat, I'll sit on you. Well, <laughs> 312 pounds, yeah, that, that's kind of painful. <laughs> yes, it would be. Yeah, I wouldn't want that threat towards me. So I'm no. glad you t did what you did. <laughs> so I decided to have uh, the lap band just like my ex-wife did because I saw the success we had with her. Um, and I mean, my daughter is a direct result of it because my ex-wife was able to lose enough weight to be able to become pregnant and hold a, a pregnancy to term. Now, I, I, want, I have a question in there because I don't think it'll be um, relative or applicable afterwards did she do was one of her choices in the lap band to truly get pregnant was she having trouble beforehand because of the weight we hadn't decided to start having kids yet okay. at that point um but it did take us a while for her to get down to the weight that she needed that her body could accept the pregnancy um so it, it did take a while and once she she broke a major barrier uh, a weight barrier that she had the day she found out she was pregnant. Oh, that's cool. That, uh, that so reinforced it. it, she, for it yeah, it did kind of force it, but for her it was also kind of a, yay, I broke this barrier, this was a huge goal for me, mm -hmm. and now I'm going right back over it because I'm pregnant. I can see that. Mo most people wouldn't see the reasoning that it's a little different, but it's that concept, I'm still gaining weight. And yeah, that is... Very detrimental to a woman's self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it was definitely kind of one of those things where it was, a, I mean, we'd been trying for a while, and it was a very happy event. I mean, going back over that weight barrier that she had set for herself, uh, it, it, was a little, it was a little bit bittersweet there, but neither of us ever said, oh, well, you're going to be gaining weight. It was more, okay, you have to gain weight. Uh, it's, I guess, the one time in, namely in a woman's life, where it's like, okay, yeah, I get to gain weight, and I'm supposed to gain weight. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> you don't think about diets, and you don't think about all these other things, because it was, okay, we, you need to be healthy for the baby. Right, and, and, that, and that's the ultimate goal, at least my, my point of view. And obviously, your ex's point of view, too, is that you have to gain it to have that healthy baby. Right. And then you can focus on shaping up after the fact. Exactly, and that, that's what she did. Um, and 
I mean, I saw everything that had gone on from the spouse's point of view, uh, from the support person point of view, and I saw how successful she was at it. And with the band, some some people, and it's really weird because I've been around a lot of people now who have the band, and everybody has, with the bypass, the gastric bypass, um, I mean, that really changes a lot of how your body works. And people have a lot of issues when it comes to certain kinds of foods. Oh, yeah. With, I, I, um, I hear you there just because I deal with that at work. And mm -hmm. I can get into that later. Um, <laughs> before you go on with more of the banding, what type of band do you have in? Do you have the band that is just a band band? It's constantly exerting pressure at the top of the stomach. Or do you have the band that can be adjusted? Uh, it is a band that can be adjusted. Okay, and I uh, think that's the new um, push in gastric banding is the one that can be adjusted as the person's tolerance to that um, decreases or increases. Is that right, from my understanding? Correct. Yes. Um, that is, uh, there's the gastric band, which is the one you're taught, which is the one that they just put a band around. It's also called the gastric sleeve, um, where they, it's just a constant pressure onto the stomach until it gets to a certain size, and then that's that. Okay, um, and that's the with, original one. That's the original one. Okay, uh, that's the one that was approved probably 15 years ago. Okay. Um, the lap band, um, it's called. I think yeah. The reason why they call it lap band is it's a laparoscopic procedure to put it in. And that is correct. Um, and so, lap band has been kind of put around the adjustable band. Uh, that's more of the name that a, most of the industry uses is. Lap band for this one. It's an adjustable. Uh, I've gone in for I think about ten adjustments to be able to get down to the size I'm at, and I still, I still have about fifty pounds. I still want to lose. You've done an awesome, awesome job. I, I was looking at pictures from before and seeing you recently, and awesome, amazing. You get you. You are one of my people that is my inspiration into making my my change because I <laughs> I see that it's possible and for me that's a huge thing because what I see at work is I see the, the people that it's not working for so when I mm -hmm. see the people that it doesn't work for more often than I see the people it works for th that for me making um, decisions was a very difficult one because it's like well who does it really work for because what I'm seeing is this but then I have to step back and say okay where I'm working in an emergency setting, I'm only going to see the people that are having problems. I'm not going to see the people that it works for. And it's, it's where you come at that point of view into finding out what's going on. So you opened my eyes up more to look and see what really is out there and what the percentage is. My percentage is skewed what I physically see um, mm -hmm. through my job. I had to go out looking at a little bit further and, and look at, extra sources to show me that this is just a really small percentage of the people that are truly having problems. Overall, lap banding is, is, is phenomenal with weight loss for the people that it's really working for. And like I said, my, my little piece is, is skewed, in my opinion, because that's what I see every day. And what I see every day isn't, in fact, what happens every day. If that right. makes sense. And also with the lap band, uh, there's places that are overseas, um, and they advertise here in the United States saying, hey, come down and do the lap band down here, and it's substantially cheaper. 
Um, but those surgeons never interact with their patients again. Uh, so they, they just kind of throw it in. And it's like, okay, have a good life. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and you, you need that, we, that. Oh, it's, it's amazing that, that they just don't have the patient follow up that uh, lap band doctors in the States have. A lot of places will not accept a patient who's had their band put in outside the States. That, I'll take your word for that. I don't know that. I, I'm thinking about the group of doctors that um, I see most often through work, and they have a whole pre-screening process that takes you at least six months to go through, it, be it for the lap band and or for the gastric bypass surgery. And they put you through multiple things. I mean, first you sit down with the dietitian, and they make sure that you are doing what you should be doing and that's truly not working. Then they have you sit down and go through um, a regular physical with an um, internal medicine doctor. They have you go through and um, get a cardiology consult. And then the bottom, the base of all the rest of this is that you sit down with the psychologist versus psychologist and you go through um, reasons why you're not making it on the normal diets, the normal exercise routine. I mean, they're making sure that before they do this that, you know, there's no underlying medical condition that they need to worry about and making sure that they do have the support system in place before they go ahead and do it because then they follow up at certain intervals um, through the process. And I believe the first several months are the more consistent um, follow-ups, and then as the longer you get out, the longer that those intervals are till like a yearly or bi-yearly type of visit. Does that sound similar to what you've gone through? Um, at least the pre-screening was very similar. Um, I also had to do a sleep study which I never slept. Um, <laughs> it's kind of hard to sleep on command, isn't it? Well, it wasn't hard to sleep on command. It was hard to sleep with all these wires around my head. And I just had some obscene fear that I would roll over and choke myself and die. I think that's a pretty valid fear. I've seen them set up for a sleep study, and yeah, there are a multitude of wires. And our producer here is saying the same thing from when he had his, that the wires were kind of a, a sticking point. Yeah, I never got into a deep sleep, and they showed me the chart afterwards, and it was just, I'd get into a little bit of a sleep, and then I'd come out of it, and a little bit of a sleep, and then I went home after the sleep study and slept for eight hours. <laughs> it was like, okay, I'm in my own bed now, I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, you're relaxed, you're not, you're not stressing out. Oh, I was exhausted. <laughs> so you passed that part? I, yeah, I passed everything with it, um, pretty much everything with flying colors. Uh, they had another one which was like a respiratory test. Oh, like a pulmonary which, function test? Yeah, that was it. I mean, it, that was, I think, the hardest test I had to do out of the whole thing because it's you completely drain your lungs. Yeah, for certain um, parts of that test you do. I Personally, I've never been through it. Um, Dale has, and he's agreeing with you. He's actually been through it twice. Um, oh, sorry. Um, well, you know, that's what you get when you're an asthmatic for so long. But um, at least for him, he's doing good. I mean, that's great. But it is, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of an exertional type of test because you, you are measuring your lung volumes at different states, you know, before you take a breath in, after you take a breath in, and then they calculate what they need to. It's yeah. a hard test. Yeah. 
it was a that was the hardest test I had to do. Um, and you're sitting in this little enclosed room, and my daughter had just been born at the time, and so I'm also kind of worrying. Please don't wake up, please, little girl, don't wake up, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, was that part of your doc's normal thing? Everybody had to go through that because. From what I know through our program at the hospital, that is not a normal test to put people through before this, unless there's a specific reason. For the doc, at least at the facility he was at at the time, that was a normal test for everybody at the stage that I did it at. Okay. Um, When my ex-wife went through it, I mean, she was probably within the first 150 people in the country to have the lab band uh, once it was FDA approved. So it was more along the lines of, you want it? Okay. We'll, we'll do pre-op testing, and you're good. Okay. So she she kept laughing at me with all these tests I had to do. She's like, you should have done it when I had it done. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So what was next after all your tests? After all the tests, and it's the longest wait that you have, at least with me, it was waiting for insurance. Um, I went through all the testing, which... Any doctor could could have prescribed every one of those tests for me, so that went through the insurance really quickly. It was more along the line. It was more waiting for the insurance company to say yes, we'll approve the surgery. Um, there are a lot of places out there that will do self-pay, uh, but I just didn't want to get that into debt again. I just bought a house, so I was like, eh, I don't want to put more money away that uh, we're pretty tight on anyway. And I'm thinking that self-pay for this test would be pretty pricey. Well, for the whole procedure, at least where I was working for a while, because I worked for my surgeon uh, after, about a, uh, after about a year, I started working for him. And it was $16,000 that included most of the pre-op testing, the surgery, everything included in the surgery, as well as a year's worth of adjustments afterwards. That's so it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't too bad, namely when you consider if you're a stereotypical patient, you're going to have most of your adjustments in the first year anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't your stereotypical patient. It took me six months to have my first adjustment, but that's, uh, I'm just afraid of needles. <laughs> did, they did that as a local type of thing? Um, well, the adjustments, actually, it doesn't even hurt. Um, it, there's, um, let's see, the best way to, to kind of describe it uh, in an audio format is, they put a silicone, an adjustable silicone band around the stomach, which and makes the top of the stomach, instead of just kind of a straight line that kind of comes out and goes straight down, it makes the top a figure eight of your stomach. So you have about a four um, cc pouch right at the top where everything kind of sits and then slowly drops through. Um, and then that's connected with surgical tubing over, t- 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 it's a reuse of an existing technology of um, the uh, chemotherapy port uh, yes. that they use for chemotherapy patients. It's, it's called so a metaport. Yes, that's it. Um, but it's made to be sit under the skin uh, pretty much for the life of the patient. Uh, and it's made also to take multiple punctures and reseal and everything. So when they, put, when they do an adjustment, it's just they poke the needle into the port, add some um, saline, and that's it. You did a very good job describing that. Thank you. So they, I mean, at least for chemotherapy port, if it's similar, they're just holding the skin taut, rub Mm -hmm. a little alcohol on it, stick the needle in, adjust it, pull it out, and you're done. 
Yeah. Um, kind of like having an IV poke. I would guess so. It's just you're not going into a vein and it doesn't hurt. Yeah, well, that's what I was getting at. It's more, <laughs> I mean, people don't like IVs, but it's a quick poke. You're in, you're out, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, an adjustment normally would take about 15 minutes, and they do a, I mean, when you go in for an adjustment, uh, you, you wait in the waiting room. I mean, it's doctor's office. You never just get right in. Um, and then you go over, and they weigh you. They do a couple other things. I mean, more just kind of like gentle pinches on the skin and talk with you a little bit, and it's like, okay, why are you in for an adjustment? Um, and then... You go in, you sit down, you wait for the doc to come in. He comes in, pokes you, you talk with him. I usually do stupid jokes, and um, then you're done. And it, it's really quick and simple, 15 minutes in and out. Not bad. And you, the, and you said that you waited six months to have an adjustment? I so, waited six months to have my first adjustment because I, I just have a phobia of needles. Now, when they uh, make that first adjustment... Is the mm -hmm. band then, when they put it in, completely down, or do they have it inflated at somewhat? They have a little bit in there, and it's more just to make sure the saline doesn't kind of fuse to itself, um, like anything sitting around in a little bit of a, a of a controlled heated area. It's the silicone would eventually Stick kind together. of bond. Yeah. With okay. So there's a little bit in there, but for the most part, you have no um, restriction after the swelling of the initial trauma of putting the band on. And uh, so I don't scare people away. When I say trauma, it's the medical term, and I'm using air quotes that no one can see, uh, trauma, <laughs> um, which is like when you walk it into a wall or something and you bang your arm, your arm kind of swells up for a little bit. Right. There, there's uh, always going to be some tissue bruising inflammation because you've gone in there and monkeyed around and that'll yeah. take a week or so to, to get back to normal just like yeah, if they you... actually say uh six weeks uh so that everything kind of gets back into place and everything because i mean there's a lot that goes on down there and mm -hmm. also i would as a guy it was the funniest thing was um the um because when they do the surgery they inflate you i mean they fill you with gas uh, so you're about twice the size you normally are. So they have the room to move around there. And it's g expelling the gas. So you're burping and um, uh, tooting a mm -hmm. lot. And they're this very stereotypical guy movie um, rips that you, you hear. I mean, the long ones that just really reverberate. <laughs> and the guy in me is just giggling incessantly as this is going on for about a week. I mean, going into work at... Because I went... I, when I did my surgery, it was right around Thanksgiving. And so I had three days of work that I missed, and then the Thanksgiving holiday, and then I went back to work the following Monday. But I was still expelling the gas, and I'd be sitting in a meeting right afterwards and just letting one go, and I would just giggle, and there were a couple other guys there that would giggle with me <laughs> just because we're guys, and that happens. And, I mean, it, it wasn't just kind of like the, okay, I can make it quiet kind of thing. No, it, no, it this gas work. has to get out. Yeah. Did you have any of the uh, shoulder pain that some of some of the people with lap procedures have have because of that gas? No. That's good. Pretty, no, I. It's pretty. I common. had a fever afterwards, and no one knows what because I've talked with my, I talked with my surgeon. I mean, my ex-wife was a nurse as well. 
none of us could figure out where I got this fever from. I mean, it could have been a lot of the extreme temperature changes that I was going that was going on around me because it was November. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, when I left, uh, I mean, it could have just been I was extremely susceptible to something, and so I had a fever for a couple of days. And liquid Vicodin was just wonderful. <laughs> it is a good drug. You know, I had a similar um, reaction with the fever after procedure, and they chalked it up to my body's immune response, just being hypersensitive with all that they had done. And I've heard that from other people after other procedures. I mean, not mm-hmm. that fevers are good, but um, if there's nothing else going on that they can find out, it, it makes somewhat of a sense that that could happen. Um, but, I mean, overall, it sounds like you did... You had a pretty easy go of it, except for the fever. Yeah, yeah. And fortunately, with the fever, um, I mean, I was already off of work, so it wasn't like I was calling in or anything. I was just laying on the couch. I'd have liquid Vicodin, and that was that. Um, and also, with pretty much any uh, lapar or gastric or even abdominal surgery, uh, I-, I couldn't lift anything really heavy for six weeks. That, Which, that makes sense, too. I mean, that's like you're saying, that's pretty typical. Um, and depending on the person's job, that may be even lengthened. I mean, from what I know of you, you were at more of a desk job, so it wouldn't have been such an issue. But um, take a construction worker or somebody who's lifting boxes, UPS guy, that may be lengthened a bit, I'm thinking, just based on the physicians that I've dealt with. Because yeah, I, I would assume you. so, too. Uh, I mean, th- this is all from my own personal experience. Um, and, I mean, I wasn't able to lift my daughter for three weeks. And then after that, I was fine. How'd she do with that? She really, I don't think she ever figured out what it went, what went on. Um, she would have been young enough that, yeah, I could see that. I mean, they kind of, yeah, okay, onward. I have something else to keep me busy. And then, okay, I'm, I'm back to something else. That makes yeah. sense at that age. Because I'm guessing she was, what, two or three? She was, I think, two. I'm trying to think. Yeah, she was two at the time. So, I mean, it was... We also made sure that there were a lot of other people around because I couldn't lift her into her crib. Um, I couldn't even lift her into the car when I would pick her up from daycare. So there was always someone from daycare that would actually lift her into the car for me uh, for the first three weeks. Which was, which was very nice of them. I mean, I said, yeah, I had abdominal surgery, so I can't lift, and she's too heavy for me to lift. And they're like, oh, okay, Mr. B, that, that, we're, we're sorry to hear that, but, yeah, we'll help you out. And I mean, everyone was very, very accommodating when it came to that because it's like, well, yeah, I had a surgery, and <laughs> I don't want to go back under the knife. And it's great that you had that support because I know that there are people that don't, and, and that's one of the things when we sit and talk about the stuff is that, people do need to keep in mind when when they think about this is that what are the restrictions going to be immediately after? What are the restrictions going to be when it comes to the band itself, if there's any after and things like that? You know, it, it may sound like a good idea to some people right away, but I'm finding that some people just jump into either of these procedures without really thinking more through it, and then they're frustrated and disgruntled when certain things don't go the way they think they should because they didn't follow the plans that were put before them. Right. And uh, I, I followed my doctor's advice 
to the letter. I mean, my post-op said, okay, once you start eating again, you are going to eat liquids, clear liquids for a week, which when you start thinking about it, it's like, okay, there's not much. I mean, I'd go to Panera and have... Um, Lemonade. It was French onion soup, just the broth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of drinking non-carbonated drinks. So, I mean, I was doing drinking a lot of Crystal Light, Arizona iced tea, that kind of thing, just to be able to get calories in. Uh, and it was made. I was actually told, don't dr- don't eat or drink anything diet. You need all the calories you can get in. Now, when because you, you don't, go ahead. Oh, because you're not taking in anything of substance. Right. So it, along the lines of you need the calories, you're not going to feel like eating for the first few days anyway. So this will just keep you hydrated as well as give you the calories to actually live. Did they suggest doing things like Gatorade and Ensure to get the calories? Which Back I- when I did it, they weren't recommending that. Um, it's not that they w- were saying don't do it. They just weren't saying to do anything. Uh, they just said clear liquids. I mean, it... Cause it to me, from the nursing standpoint, Gatorade will give you your electrolytes and a little bit of sugar, but Ensure and some of those protein drinks would give you more protein if you couldn't find one of the other liquid things to do. And, and like you said, when you're doing liquids, I mean, that's pretty much anything, well, clear liquids, I'll, I'll clarify, is anything that you can see through and is a liquid at room temperature. So you've already yeah. gotten rid of anything citrus with pulp, unless you're going to strain it. Um, Coffee is a liquid, but it has no calories in it, and I would assume be a little irritating to the to the stomach after surgery like that. I'm not I'm not positive, but I mean it's one of the ones that has a little bit more acid in it. Uh, apple juice, um, chicken broth. That's I mean it's pretty limited. And then yeah, it was a very limited diet. And on the last day when I went in to get because I. They, they made five incisions into my stomach, um, really small ones. I mean, it's really hard to see. Mm-hmm. But, um, and they closed them up by staples. And when I, the day that I had my staples taken out, which is usually when you're released from the liquid diet, I was, st- I was just dying for something real. I was dying to be able to bite something. <laughs> something crunchy? And- so I didn't care what it was. I wanted my teeth to rip through something. <laughs> so what did you and, choose? Well, I was very strict with that diet. I'm like, okay, it's only 10 days. And the first two days of it, you're pretty much knocked out as it is. So you're drinking liquid Vicodin. So, I mean, it's you take a, a shot of it, and then you're out for three hours. So you don't really think about eating for the first few days. I'm like, I can do this for a week. And that last day, I remember I went to Panera, I took a half day of work, and I went to Panera, and I did the broth thing again. I'm like, I really want this roll. I really want this roll. So I saved it, uh, but I was also afraid that my surgeon would be following what is now uh, really kind of recommended is that you step back up to solid food. So it takes about six weeks to get back to a regular diet. Mm -hmm. Now you go from clear liquids to... Full liquid. You stay on liquid... Yeah, where you start bringing in Jello and baby food and stuff like that, uh, and and you step up and until you can get solid foods back down again. That that would be, let's see, clear liquids, full liquids, P 
pureed foods and then working your way back up to the heavier textures for those yeah. that don't know the diet steps. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know it because when my surgeon was taking it out, he's like, so have you cheated on, on the diet? And I said, no, I've been following your uh, directions to the letter. And he said, okay, you're off liquids now. Go get a cheeseburger. <laughs> so I followed my doctor's advice. <laughs> the hospital he was at was right across the street from a Wendy's. I was like, I'm going to Wendy's. <laughs> when... um. I've heard other people talk afterwards that there are certain foods that they're told not to eat ever because that they are going to cause problems with this. Soda is one of them. Is Was that true for you? That no. they told you to stay away from it? They did say limit it, um, and I don't drink as much soda. And really the reason why is... Um, Namely, if it's right before I eat and I drink something carbonated, I feel very gassy because the food comes down and kind of makes a little bit of a block at where the band is. Mm -hmm. Then you have the gas coming up and you just feel bloated. Um, and also, it, it just it's a little bit harder to just drink. I mean, I can drink a Coke or a Diet Coke or whatever, anything carbonated, uh, without a problem, but it just you, you drink it a little bit slower. And there's times where it's like, I just don't have time to slowly drink. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I've switched over, and it was more, I think, just me, because that's more of what was around and available, and it was cheaper, was to get, like, the powdered drinks and all that and then put it into a two-gallon thing, and you have two gallons worth of a drink for the price of a Coke. Right. Uh, so it, it's, and I just moved that way naturally. I don't think it was because of my surgery or anything along those lines. Uh, but yeah, there are things, I mean, there are cheats when it comes to, like, the band, and it's anything that's liquid by the time it hits your stomach because it's going to go right through. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, even if you get, like, solid chocolate, that's a liquid by the time it hits there. Jello is the same thing. So you, you kind of avoid things like that, and you make a conscious decision to avoid them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mm -hmm. not saying that you can that you should avoid it for the rest of your life because, well, that's a diet again. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. with a diet, that's why I really believe diets for me had always failed is because it's like I don't want to ever stop having this. I, I'll just change it to a special occasion. Um, I mean, it's summer right now and having ice cream. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I love peanut butter. I love peanut butter and chocolate ice cream. And whenever my daughter has a good day at school and she's eaten everything that she should have, we'll go and have an, a scoop of ice cream. You're making me hungry now. <laughs> we, and I was thinking this, the same thing. I mean, I've been doing good with my choices and, and the changes that I've made. But, you know, yesterday it was a really hot day. I took one of the boys out for some mom and son time. And I'm like, we got to stop at Leduc's, which is a custard place around here. Mm -hmm. Granted, I had the one scoop, little hot fudge, some um, pecans or whatever. Before, I would have had like the large hot fudge sundae. And so, you, again, like you said, you can still have those foods. It's, it's the choice you make to have the smaller portion and to have them less often. Yeah, yeah, and that's really, it, that's really what you have to start thinking about is, okay, yeah, there are the bad choices. And still... You can't get rid of them. You can go to McDonald's every so often. I mean, it's not a, oh, I'm going to eat McDonald's every day like I used to before I had my surgery. Well, I didn't do that, but it was a lot more fast food because I was working downtown. Um, but 
you begin to make those decisions a little bit more conscious. It's like, okay, first of all, what do I eat? How do I, I mean, I'll have a meal in front of me and I look at it and I think now I have a process of where's the protein? Because that's the most important of the nutrients that you need to get in first is the protein. So you look at and you find the proteins like, okay, I'm going to eat, I'm going to work on that first. I'm not going to go and start with the French fries or I'm not going to start with just the filler, like the bread or something like that. I'm going to go for the protein first and then go for all the other kind of fun, more fun things that you can kind of sit back and not finish them and you don't feel guilty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, with, with concentrating on the protein or the veggies that are more important, you've, at least in my mind, and what I've, what I've noticed with me is you've taken the time to eat that, so you've hit that 20-minute mark or so, and your body's saying, I'm full, so when you get to the carbs you're not as, you don't feel as hungry for them because you've filled up on the other stuff. Right. And it, it's, you've filled up on the important stuff versus just the filler. Yep. When, um, now that you're, what are you, you're a year and a half out? Mm-hmm. Um, how often do you need to follow up? Right now it's about... Well, since I'm still in a weight loss mode, uh, I'm not in a maintaining mode, uh, it's still about every six to eight weeks. Uh, and with the band, it's, you begin to notice that you can eat more. Um, you either have leveled off on your weight and you've been there for a while without a, without a dramatic change in your diet. It's not like, okay, I've been eating salads and been eating really good. And all of a sudden now I'm, I've just gone on the chocolate diet for a week. And oh, I'm not losing any more weight. Um, or you've started gaining weight, uh, and and I'm at that point right now, um, and I'm trying to due to insurance issues and everything. I'm trying to find a new surgeon to go to, mm -hmm. which is oh, which is really interesting because I've always gone to the same one, but he's I don't think he's in practice anymore. I think he's taking a sabbatical or something along those lines. So it's like okay, I need to find a new surgeon who's going to stick me with a needle with two cc's of saline and charge my insurance like five thousand dollars <laughs> of course they will uh, and, <laughs> and it's hard because when because you're in the same area it's not like you move to a different city and it's a little to me it's easier than to switch doctors but staying mm -hmm. in the same area doctors don't always like to to take over other patients but they forget about that insurance angle i think a yeah. lot of the times and you know most people given the choice unless they've had a really bad experience, don't want to switch, but unfortunately insurance issues these days um, make us think of a lot of other things that we'd rather not do, and then it makes it harder when the, the surgeons don't have a, have a... I don't think they really have a clue sometimes about the insurance issues because they let somebody else in the office deal with it. Right. And then that just makes more frustrated um, patients and even office personnel trying to make those switches. Because um, I know that just listening to some of the physicians around where I'm at, they don't like taking over other um, gastric um, bypass or gastric band patients for the most part because they weren't there at the beginning. They don't know what they went through. They don't know exactly what they did unless they, somebody brings their records with them. Mm -hmm. And um, I, that's much more of an issue when you're talking about the gastric bypass surgery because uh, most people, I think, think, okay, you've had the gastric bypass and you're done. Well, there's really two or three different ways to do it, and depending on how that surgery was done 
and how they bypassed the stomach and some of the different things that they do in bypassing the stomach, you are at risk for other types of complications. And that knowing what was done makes it follow up a, a hassle. Um, yeah. That's one thing that, as from a nursing standpoint, for me, if people are thinking about the gastric bypass, is really, really do your homework. Know what they do. Ask your doctor specific questions about how they do it. And if you've done your research and you look at there's different ways to make the... Um, the big term is called anastomosis, but it's how they put the things back together or join up what they're bypassing. Mm -hmm. They can do that in different ways, and there are pluses and minuses to both of them. So that if you're going to be the very informed consumer, read about it, know about it, ask your physician um, or surgeon, I should say, how they do it and why they feel like they do it that way so that you can understand Number one, what they're doing. Number two, what it's going to mean to you in possible complications later and what it's going to mean in long-term follow-up. Because I, I see patients, um, some within the first 30 days of surgery that have issues, and mm -hmm. more and more I'm seeing patients that we're talking a year, two, and three years out having complications um, that are similar to what pe some people have in that first 30 days, but yet they're treated a little differently because of the time frame. And if people would would have looked into this a little further, I think they would have understood some of these things a little bit better so that they're at a loss, well, I had this done three years ago, I shouldn't be having any problems. But they forget that they truly had a huge abdominal procedure, and there are multiple other things that can go on even though what was done in that initial, I'm just bypassing the stomach surgery, something else in the abdomen could have been affected. Right. Yeah. And um, another thing that, I mean, all that is very good advice and that, that stuff that I've recommended to people as well, but also, namely with the bypass, talk to other patients who have had that same surgeon and see what they can't eat, what they can't drink, what, and determine, is that something that I can give up for the rest of my life? Right. Our, our group of surgeons that um, we deal with more, more often than not, um, corn is not on their favorite list. And yeah. I understand it. And in general, anybody who has a GI um, issue with the stomach, as in bypass surgery or colon issues, corn's not a really good thing to eat. And that's just because <laughs> of what it's small, it gets stuck, it can cause many, many problems. And mm -hmm. I'm think as I hear other people starting to talk about it, I'm hearing this more and more from other people from that are being told this by other surgeons. So that corn is becoming public enemy number one to 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 a group a specific group of people because of the complications that they can have from it. Not that everybody yeah. would have those complications, but because there's such a high percentage of people that do, that they're recommending that you don't eat it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a wise thing that if you're going to have complications, why do it? I mean, it, it really goes along the same lines of you have a bruise and you keep touching it and it hurts. Well, what's the first thing a doctor's going to say? Let it heal. Don't touch it. Mm-hmm, right. Um, and if you're going to be eating something and it's going to cause complications, don't eat it. I mean, yeah. it, it's very, very basic. Sometimes the basic stuff just gets lost.
<laughs> Very true. Yes. Humanity is not always as, what, what would be a good word? Um, hmm. Common sense. Common sense, that's the one I was looking for. There's, <laughs> there seems to be a lack of common sense some days when it comes to stuff like that. Yes. Um, have, have you known anybody to have the gastric bypass? Yes, I have. I've known a few people. Have they done well? They've done well initially. Um, and then they started putting weight back on. Was this uh, actually? Was uh, this soon or I, later? It wasn't soon. It was, and I've seen the charts on this, and they're more national. It's a, kind of a national study that they've gone and looked at people who've had both surgeries. There's enough data out there now that you can actually compare the two. Um, with the bypass, people are usually successful. They drop a dramatic amount of weight in the first year. And then they kind of level off, and then at roughly the three-year mark is where the weight loss from the band uh, comes over and crosses the um, weight loss line for the bypass. And after three years, the band people are continuing to lose, and the bypass people begin to put weight back on. Uh, actually, I had a job for a while where I was kind of doing what we're doing right now, talking about the band and everything. And there were a lot of people who were coming and talking to me about they'd had the bypass about 15 years ago, and they were now heavier than they were when they had the bypass. Wow. I'm seeing a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> but I don't, from my perspective, I don't, I don't know what it graphs out to. I mean, I've, most of the people I'm seeing that are coming back with problems, some, very few, I should say, have lost a significant amount of weight, not that they've put it back on, but the, mm -hmm. the rest of them may be lost, depending on where you're going, 50 to 100 pounds, but haven't gone any further. But did they, have they not lost the rest of the weight because of complications, or have they not lost the rest of the weight because they didn't keep up with what they were supposed to? And that, that I can't answer because I, I only see them for that, little narrow period of time and I from my uh, observations it's more that people say instead of saying this is a tool to help with weight loss they're saying this is my solution to weight loss oh wrong uh, wrong pro wrong thing to say <laughs> yeah it is just really the wrong way to look at it because it's like having crutches uh, it's a tool to help you move around while you're doing something else, while your body's healing from something else. The band and, and the bypass are both tools to help you lose weight, but you have to do more on, on the other end. Right. That brings me back to um, something I wrote down when we started talking about this. As you said, you know, you need to change some of those behaviors, and you, you made a comment that, you know, instead of you, you hit a um, a snag and things and nothing was going right so you went back to eat again um, mm -hmm. what I wrote down is and Crystal and I have talked about this before is that you need to change your reward system you need to pick other things out there to reward yourself that aren't food so when I think yeah. of from from the standpoint of this podcast and we're looking at moms and wives and um, just women in general making changes okay 
instead of having that extra cheeseburger or going out and having that um, triple-decker hot fudd sundae because you went out and you either blew it or you're, you're um, celebrating something, pick something different. Go out and have that manicure. Go out and have that massage. Do something that's going to overall make you feel better and give you a healthier state of mind. Yeah. Um, from the guy perspective, I, I don't think a manicure and a pedicure would be in there, but what are some of the new things that you're rewarding yourself with to give others out there and, and another idea of stuff out there? Because uh, maybe our listeners aren't into manicures and pedicures and massages. Um, maybe they're out there into rewarding themselves with computer programs. Um, Actually, the, the first big milestone I hit was breaking 220 pounds, because that was the... And I realized it when I changed my driver's license. That was the weight I had as my driver's license weight for years. And when I broke through that barrier, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get myself Guitar Hero. And that's what I did. I mean, that was my reward, was to get Guitar Hero. And then I was playing it at all hours. And fortunately, no one was around to be able to hear me. But um, so I had the whole thing cranked but yeah it was more going along the lines of what are some of those things out there that you want or you want to do or something along those lines where you can kind of say yes this is my reward and being able to look at it and that's how I changed my kind of reward system was I want to be able to look at something in a year and say I got that because I did this mm -hmm. instead of okay that nice triple decker Sunday oh that made me hungry. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> Paying you back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you have like that, that Sunday, okay, that's five, ten minutes. And then can you point back at that in a year saying, you know, that was a major milestone moment in my life. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what do you have to show for it? Nothing. Yep, that's uh, the same, same things that have been going through my mind. Um, the other thing I thought of in rewarding yourself, and for me, I don't know if everybody else thinks this way, I'm rewarding myself with new clothes. But I am not going out and like buying the complete whole wardrobe. I'm mm -hmm. buying a few select things to get me through because I know I'm not at what I want to get down to. So I don't want to have to like replace everything. But I do <laughs> want to feel a little bit better especially if I go out somewhere and not have to wear something that I can belt up a cup that's like two sizes too big. Now, for everyday stuff, yeah, I can handle that. But if I'm going to go out, it's going to make me feel better to, to get into that next size down or next two sizes down, even though it's going to be for a little bit because of the response I've gotten from just me, number one, being able to get into it. Two, the response I get from my husband. And three, which I've been very surprised at, is the amount of other people that I don't know that are commenting on how well I look now. And that just floors yeah. me because I'm not used to that. And that has yeah, happened multiple times in the last couple of weeks. And I'm like, I'm stunned because initially it's like you don't know what to say because you're stunned because somebody else is saying it. And then by the time you come up with the thank you, they've already gone. Yeah. Yeah, and that's happened to me. I actually met up with some people that I worked with a couple years ago um, who saw me at my heaviest, and they haven't seen me since then. And everyone kept saying, where's the rest of you? Um, but yeah, when, when it, namely when it comes to women, and I worked 
uh, doing, like I said, doing a lot of what we're talking about now, I was dealing with a lot of women. And, I mean, there's just something that a, a woman, even through the transition of losing weight, you still want to be able to feel attractive uh, and all those things. And getting those clothes, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's a very good reward system. But I would put a caveat onto it. Um, for my, set major goals and minor goals. Minor goals use like the clothes and everything because you're not going to be able to stay in them. Right. Um, but for major goals, like if you'd say, okay, 50 pounds. I mean, if you're, if you're in a situation like myself where it's my end goal is to lose 157 pounds. Uh, so I have 50 pound barriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the major events. Those are the big ones where it's like, okay, I want to get something big. I mean, this is to lose 50 pounds. Okay, I want something big. 100 pounds, even bigger. 150 pounds, and I've hit my goal. Something really big. I mean, it's something that just builds upon itself that you can have for a long time. And, I mean, there's nothing saying. You can't go out and buy a diamond ring or uh, a nice uh, tennis bracelet or, or some jewelry. You read uh, in my mind right now. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about that working with uh women in and talking with a lot of women on this you, you do get into the female mindset a little bit <laughs> um, but also when you were talking about clothes um a lot of people will uh, if they've listened to my show or have heard kind of what i've been going through i'm in towards the end of a divorce um and when i got my clothes out of the house i started trying every one of them on and I had, I have a Jeep SUV, uh, a Jeep Cherokee. I had the thing full of clothes. When, um, when I was done trying all of it on, and I mean, some of it was really nice clothes. I'd spent, I had spent money on it, and um, I mean, it wasn't the cheap stuff. It was some really very nice clothes. I had a basket, just a, a normal, regular size laundry basket, not the big one, just the regular size of clothes I could wear. Wow. The, the rest of it is too big. I, I've done that with my stuff going through, and it's very difficult to, like you said, get rid of the stuff that is more pricey. The way mm -hmm. I have decided to do it is the, the stuff that is more pricey or more designer, what have you, I'm giving it to people I know that personally can use it. The other stuff then I give to Goodwill. I don't... It, it just makes me feel a little bit better, a little bit better, because I'm helping somebody I know, but I'm also helping somebody I don't know, and and I know that the people I'm giving the pricier stuff to, or the stuff that I may have only worn once or twice, is is really going to be put to use and may not just sit in a pile somewhere for a while. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, that's a, a very big caveat, at least with the amount of weight I've had to lose that I've lost thus far. Um, you can't you can't really always think about okay yeah I'm gonna go get some no, some new clothes I mean TJ Maxx is wonderful I mean you can still get the major labels but it's dirt cheap. Mm -hmm. it's um, one of the things that I would say, and I've done this over the last oh probably two or three months, is the stuff I'm buying, I'm mm -hmm. buying on sale. I'm waiting yes. to see it go on sale. I will not pay full price for something I know that I'm not going to be in if I keep up with my goals here. And um, they're out there. The sales are out there if you look. And um, one of the, the goals I had that 
and I've recently attained is that I don't have to shop at Lane Bryant anymore. I don't have to <laughs> shop at um, CJ Banks. I can actually pretty much walk into any store I see now and shop there, which is a huge boost to the ego. So depending oh, on where yes. you were shopping before, if you were able to shop at a multitude of stores, um, I don't think you see you feel that as much as the people that had had only very few options to begin with, and now the whole panorama of things is out there. Um, it, it's it is a big ego boost, and it makes shopping. Fun and not so fun at the same time because then you're like, well, gee, I could really go to five more stores, but, you know, do you really want to? Um, <laughs> the, the money person it all of a sudden begins to cry. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's, you know, it's like... Um, it's like the kid in the candy store. I mean, it's like, where do I go? Where, where, where should I go to look at this? And it's learning... <laughs> It's learning about those stores again because I was always a person that most of the stuff I buy is, it may be a little bit more expensive, but quality-wise, it's going to last me a long time. Right now, I don't really care so much about quality because I know it's, I'm not going to have it for the long t- long run, but mm-hmm. it's still something in the back of my mind to keep yeah. up with. <laughs> Another thing, um, and I mentioned this, I, I didn't really tell the whole story on my show, um, but it's, it's one of those big, another, and you never really realize it until it hits. When you were talking about that you don't have to shop at Lane Bryant anymore and uh, all the more full-figured women's stores, is, I think that's how they're trying to market themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in JCPenney's uh, at the beginning of the spring or mid-spring or something, and I needed a new jacket because uh, my jacket was a double or triple X. I mean, it was just huge. And so I was like, eh, I'll just see if they have a new, ch- if they have jackets. So I tried on a single X jacket. I'm like, oh, it looks good. And I don't know if you, do you have the explicit tag or not? You know what? I don't think we've ever rated it. So go ahead, <laughs> do whatever you um, want <laughs> with the <okay>. reason. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure because uh, it's the phrase that I really use uh, I, for shits and grins. I was like, I'm going to try on a large. And I put this jacket on, and it was a large. And in the show, this, I skipped a step here um, when I described it in my show, because my show, I kind of come out with more the funny angle. I didn't want to come out with, like, oh, here's this really touching human moment. But um, the, the large fit me. It was the first time in about 15 to 16 years that I haven't had a, an article of clothing that didn't have an X in front of it. And I started to cry. I know how you feel. Because it was one of those where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just broke that barrier. Then I got onto the, uh, onto the ground and looked for the X. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know how you was, feel. We just, we, I just did that within the last couple of weeks. And it is. It's, it's you, feel, you feel more normal. You don't mm-hmm. feel like you are the person everybody makes fun of. And yeah. um, for me, that point was driven home earlier this week at work. I had took care of a patient and needed to ask her her weight for a test that she was having done. And when she told me her weight, I looked at myself and I'm like, that's just over the weight. I mean, not by much that I started off with. And I was looking at her and I was like, did I truly look like she did back in March? 
And mm-hmm. I went out and talked to one of my coworkers who, and she's been awesome giving me um, positive feedback this whole time. She's like, yeah, you did. And it's like, y- you get in your mind the perception you have of yourself, but you, f- you forget to look at it from what it looks like from the other person's standpoint. And that re- that point this week at work really m- drove home how much I've lost and how much I've changed in people's perceptions. I mean, I know I saw it in myself, but I didn't see what other people really see till this week. Yeah, and that that's also a big moment, is when you finally get to see really how you were. Uh, and I'm seeing that with pictures uh, mm-hmm. that I've had from a year ago to now. Um, I mean, I think one of the most dramatic ones I have, and I've put it up on, uh, it's more of a guy's weight loss kind of thing. It's uh, the gut check cast. Uh, they have a <laughs> Flickr site. And I put up a picture of me at a White Sox game of, of me and my daughter uh, on May 22nd. The date stamp on the camera was wrong on that day. It was not February 22nd. <laughs> <laughs> You don't go to a baseball game in Chicago in February. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but it was May 22nd of 2007 of my daughter and I at this game, and I'm wearing, uh, it's a jersey that I've had made with my name and number on the back, and I'm busting out of it. On May 22nd of 2008, I was at another White Sox game, and I made sure it was exactly a year later, and I'm wearing the same exact jersey. Um, and it's big on me. I mean, I had lost 102 pounds in that, in that uh, amount of time. I've seen the picture. It is a very good judge of, of what has gone on, and it, it was an awesome looking at that. I mean, because I, I think that's the first time I had seen a picture of you since I had seen you when we first met. Yeah. Back at PME. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's going to be something, at least for all the podcasters who are going to be out there, that haven't seen me is they're going to be floored. It's going to almost be like meeting me again for the first time mm-hmm. because I mean, I'm when it comes to the podcasting stuff, I'm very open. Uh, I, you can see pictures of me from PME last year in California. Now we're going to be in Vegas. And so we're just going to be sweating off the pounds. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, we've I, done that the last two days here at home. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> oh yeah. I uh, had, air conditioning issues uh, for one day and it was just I was almost in a wet t-shirt contest just because it was so hot and muggy well I beat you Uh, I was there today played tennis with the kids not pretty oh no (laughs) but um, it's going to be really dramatic and that's that's another issue that I think of people who do a, a major weight loss is that they I would really I would stress this more than I think anything else uh, from once you made the decision to, to lose a lot of weight. Um, and it, even mainly if you're doing it in a short period of time, um, is to have professional psychological help because the world does treat you different. Um, they from do. when you're really heavy to when you're not, um, when you become more normal. I mean, for me, there's been a lot of just women I've always thought were out of my league are checking me out. And a year ago, they wouldn't have given me the time of day, and here they are, they're checking me out when I'm out with friends at a bar or something. And I get the look when I kind of catch eye, catch their eye, they do the look away that I always used to do. Uh-huh. Uh, where it's like, oh, 
oh crap, someone, he, he found me and looking off to the side really quick. Uh, like, I hope he didn't notice, but uh-huh. yet you do. Well, um, I, I know. We, Dale and I went out um, to a bar a couple of weeks ago and I was seeing other people look at me and it was like, why are they looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you, you forget, you forget what you look like before. And he's like, well, they're just checking you out. And I'm like, huh? I, I, again, like I said before, more people paying attention to you that you're not used to in feeling a little uncertain in how you should act or not act or what you should respond to or not respond to stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's different, and it's, it's kind of like being in high school again sometimes. With It is, um, but the reason why I say to see to make sure you have professional help is because I mean you're going to be because I've seen this happen more than once, where someone has done a dramatic weight loss, and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, the family is breaking up because the person who lost a lot of weight is now all of a sudden getting the attention and forgetting that their spouse had been sitting there the entire time mm-hmm. and had been the whole support and without that spouse the other person wouldn't be able to be where they're at um i mean it was really on major weight loss it is a team effort it uh, is namely in a marriage situation and you don't want to have that dramatically change who you are i mean yeah you take a little bit of an ego boost but remember who was there with you and don't change who you are internally right and uh, i think sitting down and talking to that counselor to to have to whoever it may be even if it's not a counselor finding that one person that you can sit and shoot the shit with and and bounce some of these things off because it, it is a learning curve for you um mm-hmm. I, I wholeheartedly agree that it's a it's a process that everybody's involved in. I mean, it's not just me that's doing this. My family is helping me through all of this. And I don't think I could have done what I've done so far if it hadn't been for Dale, if it hadn't been for the kids. The kids are there. Mom, come out and play ball with me. Mom, come out and do this with me. You know, they're, they're my um, inspiration and some things to get out and move. Um, yes. And you can't lose sight of that. The other thing I think of to, to sit and sit down and talk with somebody is if you're having questions or you're having issues that you don't feel comfortable going and talking to somebody you already know about, getting that mm-hmm. outside opinion is well worth it because it, it will be a completely unbiased opinion as to how you're reacting to something or how you perceive you're reacting to something. Yeah. Oh, abs- I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that um, because it's it, all of a sudden you're getting attention that you that in some cases you've never had before. And it's kind of exciting, but yet you don't want to lose sight of really what's important to you. Right. And you really need to make sure you're talking to someone who can help you through it, not, not an enabler, I guess right. I would call well, I think that's the perfect word because if you have people around you who enable, they enable more often than not the bad things. Um, right. To 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 say that my husband and my kids are enablers, I don't think it's the correct term because enabler to me, working where I do, enabler is a um, negative term. They enable you to do the bad things. 
the the people that are the more positive are those are your um, support support group. Um, there's another word I'm looking for, and I can't I truly can't think of it right now. Um, but as I'm looking up and we're finishing up with this, Dale's telling me we're at an hour, we're a little <laughs> oh, over <wow>. an hour. <laughs> so I, I'd say it's been great getting all this info out there and talking to you about it. And I, and I hope that it helps people who are listening to this um, when it comes to if they're at the point of what choice do I make? And I think mm -hmm. that you did a, we've, we've both done a good job of saying, you know, that there's more than, it's more than just a snap decision. There are multiple things that you need to do. And one is you need to make the decision to lose the weight. Two yeah. is you need to look at your options out there. So, you know, if you've decided a diet and you're following the diet, it's not working, look at your other options. Sit down and talk with your physician. Sit down and talk with the dietitian and see what they have to say. If they mm -hmm. suggest either the lap band or the gastric bypass as an um, option for you, as, and as you said, a tool, it is not a cure-all. To have either of these procedures done does not mean that you are cured and you are going to lose the weight with no effort. It is a tool to help you change that lifestyle and get into a, a negative weight loss, or I shouldn't say negative, or in, into a weight loss situation a little faster, but you're going to have to make changes to continue it through because it's only going to help you for, for a short period of time, not your whole life. And that yeah. three... Using go ahead. a hammer and a nail. Um, you can put the two of them down onto a piece of wood and just stare at them. They're not going to do anything. Right. And that's what the, the band and the bypass and the sleeve all do is they're a hammer and a nail. They're just sitting there. You actually have to do something to get that hammer into the, or the nail into the wood, and you have to use the hammer. Right. And then, you have to do it. And then four would be make sure you have a positive support system. If you have people out there that are dragging you down, Relook at why you're with that person. Look at what they're offering to you. It doesn't mean that you have to break off a friendship with them, but if you're looking to them for support and they're not giving it to you, look somewhere else for that positive support. It doesn't mean that there's, there's not other people out there to help you. And th right. that would be in the form of either positive friendships or going and seeking out a counselor or somebody else to sit down and s talk over things with. And there's also uh, online support groups. Uh, I know I didn't mention this before, but um, one group that has been very helpful to me is, um, and it's a local group. They have local form boards. It's at obesityhelp, uh, at obesityhelp.com. Uh, and, and that's more for the extreme weight loss, but these are all people who have been through all different kinds of surgery. Uh, and they kind of discuss their fears, and at least the group I'm a part of, someone's like, yeah, I've... Um, I have a date for surgery, and everybody comes out. It's like, that is just wonderful. I mean, it, that's the kind of support group that you need. It's someone who's going to be there and kind of say, this is great, or here's the complications I had with it, but I'm happy with what my decision, or I'm not happy with my decision. I wish I would have gone this route, or uh, talk with th these kind of people. Uh, uh, so there are places out there like that that can definitely help you out. That's a great idea. Is there any parting comment you want to make? The one, one thing you want people to walk away from this podcast thinking or, or feeling? Um, 
that weight loss is it is a personal thing but yet at the same time it's not something you're doing alone and you make sure you have that support group around you and also if you're thinking about surgery feel free to talk to me I'm very very open about what I've gone through I mean I will go into extreme details about pretty much anything and so I mean I'm very open I mean you can find me at through my website at barely podcasting dot com and yeah I mean that's a lot more kind of a lighthearted versus how this is but I'm very open about my procedure and what the changes that it's given me in my life so or you can contact Julian Crystal if she makes it back from camping because well it is Canada and yeah there's cougars up there for us you would get a hold of Crystal or I at motivatedwomen.net or motivatedwomenpodcast.com Crystal and I both have Gmail set up mine is mwpjulie at gmail.com and Crystal is mwpcrystal with the chry at gmail.com yeah you can you can contact both of them and if you want to talk with me and like set up maybe like a Skype chat or something I can definitely I mean they'll definitely get it over to me they they've been a huge support to me through my journey that's been more than just weight loss I mean there's been a lot more that's gone on and they've been just wonderful for me so I mean it's I want to thank both both you Julie and Crystal if you ever hear this if you make camping we'll send her a copy somehow thank you I'm actually kind of floored at that comment because I didn't think I was a support to you in that way but it was great to hear thanks again Barely this has been awesome. I mean, it's one of the reasons I started this podcast because we need to hear the more positive things from everybody. And it's not just women out there helping women, it's men and women together helping each other. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Thank and you it's very a much. Great and I'm, I'm honored that you asked me to be on tonight. Thanks. So let's drive away. Let's Oh